Hello friends, welcome new friends. You are in Le Vital Core Salon. I am your host and salonniere, Kara Snyder. And if you're wondering who I am and why I'm here, I'm coming at you to introduce you to modern women who are out there leaving their unique stain on the world without letting bullshit or burnout stop them. If you're someone who's ever felt overwhelmed by all the stuff, be it things or activities flooding into your life, if you're someone who's ever felt like you're just off your game or maybe off your path, or if you're someone who's unsure of your worth in the world, then make yourself cozy for this conversation. Also, grab some earbuds for this one. Because today's guest, Zuzu Perkel, and I drop some of the most kind-hearted F-bombs you will ever hear. So, fair warning. Yes, this 50th episode is packed with love and lots to learn. Yes, people, episode 5-0. This is quite a milestone for me, and the feels are really real right now. There have been so many moments that I thought this whole podcast would fall apart or I wouldn't be able to deliver the next episode because of 19,000 different reasons. But then y'all showed up for me. You listen. You subscribe to this podcast. And first that was one of you and then 10 of you and then hundreds of you and now thousands of you. And ten thousands of you? That's wild to me. You've paused what you're actually doing in real time to text or email an episode to a friend, a family member, a colleague. You've connected with Vital Core on social media. With each like, share, and retweet, you've helped me amplify the impactful work of all of my guests and also help this podcast grow. You have sent me cards and letters and task lists. You have invited me to take a seat or even host a panel or speak at your event for women. And this one really gets me. You have shared with me an insight or an aha moment or some action that you took to make your life better or the life better for the people around you all because of something you heard in this podcast. All of these kindnesses give me the energy to slay whatever bullshit pops up and keep making this podcast for all of you. Because of you, I get to live a life spiked with passion and slathered with joy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My heart is pounding as I say that, people. Really, I can't thank you all enough. And more of that love, more of that support, I gratefully receive it from all of you. Before I start crying or have my voice crack in some weird way, I want to tell you about today's fantastic guest. And when I rolled into a panel last March, little did I know that all of the slick-looking, redesigned Bud Light bottles I was seeing everywhere at South by Southwest were actually co-created by today's guest, Zuzu. 
Let me give you just a smidge of her background. Zuzu is recognized for her iconic pink hair and her ability to seamlessly integrate vibrant color, movement, and design. She is an Austin-based new contemporary artist and, dare I say, powerhouse of positivity with an insatiable appetite for street art, yoga, and self-exploration. All of this flows through her energetic yet free-flowing visual work. Her passion for street art and graffiti, along with her deep appreciation of the arts at large, continually influence her ever-evolving style. Hard work, tenacity, and her proactive approach have led to collaborations with a myriad of partners, ranging from emerging artists to internationally recognized names. And some of her commercial work has intersected with companies like Neiman Marcus, Bud Light that I mentioned, Nordstrom, Red Bull, South by Southwest, the X Games, the Wanderlust Festival, Austin City Limits, Amy Poehler's Smart Girls, and Awesomeness TV. And I can assure you that the number of people that she gets to impact and the brands that she gets to intersect with and the projects that she takes on, I have no doubt will continue to grow. She's currently a part of the Spray TX Collective in Austin when she's not working as an independent visual artist. Her reverence for graffiti culture, nature, traveling, the study of color, and the desire to have a positive impact on others through art are the roots of her being. And these roots drive her and push her to continue pursuing her dreams. There is so much to learn in this episode with Zuzu. I'm so excited to share it with you. Voila, meet Zuzu. Hey, Zuzu, welcome to La Vital Core Salon. Hey, Kara, thank you for having me. So, People can find your vibrant, hot pink hair self at the intersection of street art, graffiti, and yoga in Austin, Texas. Which came first? The visual art, the yoga, was it something else? So that's a really good question that I, I realized nobody had ever asked me that before. And so I really had to sit down and think about the answer to this. And my entry into visual art and into yoga is a little bit blurry because I, I kind of just fell into both. They were actually both at a very similar time in my life. So it was about 10 years ago. And I got into yoga just through um, going to the gym and and looking for other alternatives to running on a treadmill or or doing some type of workout I didn't really want to be doing. And so I found myself in a yoga studio and just started to get into the practice. And that just kept growing like class after class, year after year. And then I eventually found myself in yoga four or five times a week, and then eventually wanting to teach yoga. And then that pathway opened when I got my certification about four years ago. And then almost at the same time, about 10 years ago, I also got into actually painting and creating artwork, which I had always been drawn to. And I'd always been interested in, in creative expression, but never actually felt like that was my calling in life. It started with photography of street art and graffiti and and really just falling in love with that culture and that art form. And eventually that led me to to be friends with some people who were graffiti artists or street artists in Austin. And eventually one of my friends just said to me, Zuzu, pick up a can and paint. What are you doing? 
Let's go. <laughs> and so we we literally picked up some cans and we went under a bridge and, you know, he kind of gave me like a demo and kind of led me in a direction. And I, I painted this piece on the wall and it said girl because I wanted everyone to know that I was a woman for some reason at the time. I was just so proud that I was spray painting under a bridge and it was totally awful. It was not that pretty, but it was so fun. And I just kept similar to yoga, just kept on that path and kept going. And, and it was like, once I started um, both of these things in my life, yoga and, and creating art, I just, I couldn't stop. And so here we are today. I love it. So wait, you have to tell me, because I know street art and graffiti, it's sort of considered by some art, considered by others, vandalism. I mean, what was it like to be holding the can and doing something sort of vigilante? It felt really awesome. (laughs) It felt really awesome to, uh, for me personally, because I had already been interested in, in the culture, like I said, in the art form. And so to actually be creating it, it was really exciting, but also to be under a bridge and in public and doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing was also really exciting. Um, and I don't really work in the illegal street world these days. I've, you know, kind of grown up a little bit and moved, moved from that. Um, but I did have my phase of, of like hitting the streets and going out and, you know, doing some illegal stuff. And I did all of that with respect. There's kind of like unspoken rules I have learned as a graffiti artist or street artist, but there is a level of, of like excitement and nerves and like everything just like boiling up when you're out doing that. And I, you know, it's like a natural high that I got and I love it and I miss it. But I, I also kind of get that natural high from doing live painting or painting a mural that maybe is a little out of my comfort zone. And so I found different ways to tap into that same high intensity energy without having to go and bomb on the streets. So I take it from your response that you were probably a pretty good girl growing up. Yeah, I like to think so. I got into a, trouble a couple times. You know, I had, you know, I had to learn the hard way. I still honestly feel like I learn all life lessons <laughs> the hard way. It's just kind of my nature. But um, I was a pretty good kid. My, my parents had a, an amazing marriage and my younger sister and I were very close to them. And, you know, what, we grew up in Austin, which is a, an awesome city to grow up in. And I had good friends and, you know, always found my way and, and didn't steer too far from the path. But, I, you know, I had my moments. And l- luckily, in this conversation, you know, with illegal work and street art, I, I never got caught, which is probably why I feel so awesome about it. So yeah, I'm glad that I, I moved from that before that happened because um, I would hate to go to jail, girl. It's not, <laughs> I don't have time for that, you know? Based on the creative output I see you putting forth online, I can't imagine how you have time for much of anything, never mind jail. I definitely don't have time for jail. Um, nobody has time for jail, if we're being totally honest. True. But I'm one of those people who really likes to stay busy. It, it kind of fuels my fire to have a lot of stuff on my plate, which is why I love balancing my yoga career with my art career. I, and I do stay very, very, very busy. Uh, but I like it like that. And so, you know, it also keeps me out of trouble when I've got good paying gigs and classes that I have to show up for and, and you know, a social life and all these components that let me have such a busy schedule that I, I don't have time to, to risk everything to go paint something illegally or, you know, waste my time doing anything. I just, I feel like I don't have time for that. Amen. And let's hope you stay out of jail. 
Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for those vibes. So Zuzu, you're standing under a bridge with a can. You're feeling this rush. Did you have any idea that you would be doing this, right? Like it took a friend basically telling you, hey, why don't you stop taking photos of it and just start painting? How did you not think of that? I guess I just at the time didn't really see it in my future, like I said. And I don't know why that was. I just had this affinity for for finding and photographing and, and looking at and appreciating this art form. But it didn't click to me that it was something that I could do myself. And the truth is that anybody can be creative and anybody can do art. And whether you're good at it or amazing or not so good, it doesn't really matter. It's more about the experience of actually creating that piece of art. And, you know, maybe if I was a little bit older, I would have recognized that. But at the time, I was just in this flow of, you know, kind of following other artists around and taking photos and being a part of the scene without actually diving in myself. And it took a little push from my friend to actually have the the courage to get up in a wall and paint it. And once I did it, the moment that I started painting, I, I knew I was hooked. I mean, I, I literally fell in love immediately with spray paint and doing it myself. And so after I painted my first piece, I mean, it was probably 48 hours until I painted my next piece. And then I waited a couple of days and then I painted another piece. And so I just grew my skills by practicing over and over and over and it just seemed to to kind of grow exponentially like it happened so quickly before I knew it it's all I wanted to do um and it's the same for yoga too I kind of fell into yoga and slowly got into my practice and once I got comfortable with my practice and my body on the mat I just kept going and going and going and then I woke up one day and I was like I'm gonna teach yoga let's go (laughs) I'm laughing because I had a similar experience, a parallel one with Pilates. And it, I don't know if your first yoga experience was like my first Pilates, but it basically I went to the class and the woman who became one of my first real mentors and and teachers was an ex-Alvin Ailey principal. And I thought I was in shape. And then I went to this class and she was just gliding through all these like really strong, hard Pilates exercises. And I was literally a pile of like red faced, sweaty, shaking, inflexible limbs on the mat. And I was like, damn, I can't let this get the best of me. And then kept going. And then it I was going a handful of times a week and then I started using the apparatus and then I started doing private sessions and like, lo and behold, I'm like apprenticing a handful of years later. Isn't that a beautiful experience though, to be so humbled by something in life that you have a moment with yourself and and you have to acknowledge that you are so not good at something when you start and then from there, you have the opportunity to say, hey, I'm never coming back to this or saying, I'm going to do better next time. And then you hit it again and it gets easier and easier and easier. I love that humbling experience of doing anything new. And also when it resurfaces, even I'm sure you understand from Pilates, similar to me doing yoga, I'll hit some classes and maybe my energy's a little bit off or my, my body isn't you know moving quite in the way that I want it to. Or maybe it's a really challenging class and a teacher just kicks my ass. And then I am humbled and I'm melting all over the mat and I have to do it with myself. <laughs> and I have to acknowledge that that I'm not maybe as badass as I thought I was today. <laughs> That's okay too. It's all good. Yes, I totally know the not feeling like a badass today. And I know for me it was uh, 
I was really competitive when I was younger. And I feel like this was a point where I was starting to realize that competitiveness and that ego was not serving me. So I don't know if I was as humble as as you may have given me credit for at that point. But I think this was a huge lesson on that front to really look at like, okay, it's okay to be garbage at this crazy ass method at first. <laughs> like, it's okay. I will live to tell about it. And it be, you're right, it becomes such a journey. And every single workout, even now, is totally different. And some days are great. And I feel wonderful going into the workout and charged about it and wonderful on the other end. And sometimes like you go in feeling great and then I hear and think about like all of the amazing teachers that I had. And sometimes I go into that well of, will I ever do this as well or even 50% as well as some of the master instructors I've seen in action? And then other days, it's you're just comfortable with where you're at. Totally. I think that's all part of the process. Yes. Yes. So it sounds like that's a familiar experience for you. Like, how do you come to your practices on a regular basis? Like, what does your practice look like these days? My yoga practice is because I think there's a shift when a student becomes a teacher. And now I'm offering X number of classes per week. And so I have less time for my own practice. And so it's been challenging for me to still find time because I, like I said, you know, I've got my yoga side, I've got my art side, and I've got, you know, some side hustle, and I've got family and friends and all this life stuff. And so sometimes I find that I can't get on my mat as much as I want to. And that is challenging and also humbling again, when I hit the mat, and I haven't, I haven't practiced in in like three or four days, and I get my butt kicked, or I'm not teaching as strong as I would like to, because I, I haven't been practicing myself. And that's just the challenge of being really busy and maybe doing one too many things. Um, but my practice, like everything else, my yoga practice gets stronger more and more every time I hit the mat. You know, I, I've been practicing for, for almost 10 years and I'm finally starting to get arm balances and inversions that I've never been able to do before. And, you know, I'm, I can almost do the splits now, which is very exciting Woo! for me. <laughs> almost do the splits. Not not there, but I'm going to get there. But I love my practice. I, if I didn't have a yoga practice and that wasn't incorporated into my life, I'm not sure how successful I would be at the other things that I do. It really is my balance and and I value it a lot. Zuzu, talk to me about that. How does it intersect with or feed or nourish the art part of you, the side hustle, like the family, the friends? It's hard to explain. It's hard to put into words. Um, it's There's a lot of emotion that goes into my practice. And for me, the balance between art and yoga is is a necessity. And I, and I share this with my students and I share this with artist friends and even my family and my friends of how important it is you know, and it doesn't have to be yoga. I mean, you know, there's a lot of similar things. It might be meditation. For some people, it's running. Like, whatever it is, it's like your physical outlet. And for me, yoga is this movement of the body. So I'm physically moving. I'm also having a mindful practice. And so I get to get out of my head for a moment, which for me feels amazing because I'm constantly moving and thinking and doing and creating and, and all of this stuff all the time. And so I find myself, 
often when I get into my yoga practice and I sit on my mat, my mind will just shut off. And it took me years to be able to get to that point. And some days it doesn't. Some days my mind chatters the entire hour or two hours or however long I'm in my practice. But most of the time, I am so exhausted from the going and the constant movement and chatter that when I hit my mat, everything kind of goes quiet and I just get to be with myself. And for me, that time that I devote fully to myself, to my body, my breath, clearing my mind, moving through some like energetic junk that I've been holding on to, whatever it is in that day or in those moments, getting to have that time allows me to create space to be more focused and more dedicated and more driven in other areas of my life. And it also is kind of a creative time for me when the mind stills and then my creative juices kind of flow naturally. So a lot of times I have really great ideas when I'm in my yoga practice and I'll, I'll kind of make like a mental note and then let them go. And for me, it's just, it's just my, it's just my time. It's like me time that I really need all the time and I find balance in that. And then on the other side, when I'm doing artwork, and this is more so on a large scale when I'm doing spray paint and I'm, I'm doing big murals on walls and I'm using spray paint to move, it's not like drawing with a pencil. It's really this flowing movement. And when I, I do some gr- like graffiti art lessons with mostly kids and I try to teach them that it's this whole body movement. And so yoga has helped me in that way when I'm painting to move in this really gentle, fluid way and and has helped me with my actual can control when we're talking about artwork. And so there's like this give and take back and forth between the two. And for me, I've just found this beautiful balance of, of two things that I, I really love and I'm really passionate about that kind of feed into one another. Um, and each one helps me keep progressing forward in, in the other. Wow. And even the physicality of what you're talking about, I mean, you're talking about specifically the flow and the agility, but I imagine painting a mural on the side of a building or a giant wall, like this big area of square footage. Is that a really physically demanding task outside of just the agility? Oh, yeah. Because what's that like? It's exhausting. And it it depends on on a few factors. A lot of times on a large wall, there's a ladder or scaffolding, or if you're lucky, a lift, which is usually not the case. So normally you're climbing up and down scaffolding or climbing up and down a ladder, which I'm not afraid of heights, but it is not comfortable to be on a ladder and trying to spray paint and make something beautiful. And it's not easy on the body going up and down or being you know, outside in the elements for six, seven, eight hours at a time. And, you know, I think yoga helps me with that too. I mean, just being active in general helps me with that to be able to, to keep my body moving and to feel good in my body so that I can stand outside in front of a wall, climbing up and down a ladder 50 times and still create something really beautiful. Amazing. I was just thinking about that, especially as I sit in literally soup-like humid air. I can't imagine what it would be like to work outside in blazing Austin heat and humidity for like eight hours. Yeah, Texas is no joke. When we talk about weather, yesterday was 108. I did not even look today to see how hot it was because I I like to stay inside in the air conditioning and pretend like it's lovely outside. 
until I have to walk to my car and then you're sweating before you even get to your car. And so that is unpleasant in itself. But when we're painting outside, I say we, when me and other artists are painting outside, we've got a mural on the exterior of a building. We just have to do what we have to do. And I, as much as I wish Texas weather was a little bit different and I could escape during the summer and then come back for all the other seasons because I really love it here, you know, this year I, I'm in town most of the summer and I just have to deal with it. So, you know, I hydrate. I try to paint really early or, or later in the day. But sometimes you're just out in the sun and it's beating on you and it's exhausting and you're still painting and your whole body feels like it's melting off and, and you just deal with it. And this seems like kind of a dopey follow-up question, but you strike me as someone who's really into living an active and healthy lifestyle. How do you take care of yourself, definitely like around all the, the spray paint and the fumes and all of that? To be totally honest, I should probably do a better job at that, <laughs> but it's a great question. Not um, judging. <laughs> no judgment zone. You know, really spray paint shouldn't be on your skin. It shouldn't be on your hair. It shouldn't be in your lungs. But I've been doing it for so long that I'm I'm so comfortable with it that I, I really don't mind any of it. And so, you know, I don't wear gloves and it gets all over my hands, which washes off. And then it's all over my nails, which I think makes my nails look like I get custom nail jobs, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> um, and you know, if it gets in my hair, that's a real mess. But the respirator is really the, the main, like the most important piece that that artists should have is to wear a respirator. And definitely when you're inside, I mean, it's a little different if I'm outside and, and you know, there's a nice, easy breeze and I'm not putting my face right up against the wall. But normally I wear a respirator, which keeps it out of my lungs. But sometimes I don't. No judgment. You do the best you can. Thank you. I imagine wearing the respirator is massively inhibiting and uncomfortable sometimes too. So it's like you're trying to work in this really agile, flow, quick way. And you have this big clunky thing on your face, right? Right. And that's the reason that I don't wear it. It's not because I, I want to inhale spray paint. It's because <laughs> when it's 100 and, 108... And I've been in sunshine for three hours, and then I've got this big plastic thing over my face. It's just, it just sucks. And so, you know, I end up ditching it. Um, it it's not super comfortable, but it is good. And I would suggest to anyone that was spray painting to wear one, but to each their own. I love the PSA and the freedom and flexibility. So, Zuzu, how do some of your murals start? Like, this is an art form that I have appreciated and followed, especially when I was living in New York City. I mean, it's all over the place. It's something I don't know and understand, and I'm guessing some of the listeners probably don't either. I mean, when you're tasked with creating a mural, like, what's the process look like for you? Is it something you sketch out? Do you just dive in? How does that work? So most of the time, there's been a few occasions where there's access to a wall and, and a, a client or a friend or, or whomever it is says, hey, I just want you to, to get rowdy on this wall. Go for it. And I won't have a plan. And, you know, maybe I think about it a little bit, but I'll just I'll just jam on the wall. But most of the time, you know, it's a relationship with a client or a business where somebody is paying me to do this. And so 
it's important that I'm going to create something that they're going to love as much as I love actually creating it for them. And so there's this really um, kind of a longer phase than I think a lot of people think that happens before any paint goes on the wall. And it's it's even more so than just sketching and, and mocking up the design. There's for me, there's the initial meeting, you know, however a person reaches out to me. And then I like to meet people in person. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a people person and I want to look people in the eyes and have conversations. And so I usually set up some type of meeting where I get to talk to the client or the team of people and just get an idea of what they would like to see on the wall. And then we kind of just shoot ideas back and forth. And then normally I create some type of mood board with examples of color palettes and designs and examples of my work. And I ask them to do the same, whether they just shoot me a couple images or, you know, save some images of things that they really like. And then we sit down again and we talk about that. And then once we get to that point, I normally have a pretty clear vision of where we're going. And so at that point, I'll sit down and create some sketches, talk to them through those, and then create a full render mock. And that takes a lot longer than some people think to actually create the whole design, whether it's digitally created or by hand, but full color, exactly what it's going to look like, or you know, pretty close to what it's going to look like on the wall. I pitch that. We go through a revision process, which sometimes is really easy. It's just... We love it, let's go, and sometimes it's a lot of back and forth and a lot of revisions, depending on the client. Then after that, we finally get to the painting part. And then once I'm there, you know, I get all my materials and I go to the wall, and at that point, it's, for me, the fun part, the painting part. And, you know, I kind of go from start to finish. I sketch it out, I start to block in color, you know, all the way until the very end when we do outlines and and sign it and finish it and that's kind of the whole process from start to finish that's super cool to hear that and understand that I want to go back a little bit though and ask how did you go from bombing a handful of times your first week at it to now being brought in for custom mural work Uh, the answer is pretty simple but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go into detail the answer is Um, My opinion is hard work always pays off. And I I try to share that with everyone that I talk to when we get in these art conversations or whatever it is that people are doing in their lives that they're passionate about. Hard work always pays off uh, in my experience. And, And so when I first started creating these murals, I was doing them for fun. And so I would paint any wall that anybody would let me paint. And sometimes I would pay for the materials. Sometimes you know, somebody would pay for the materials and then I would get to paint. And that was exciting at the time. And that eventually progressed until somebody offered to pay me to paint a mural and they paid for the materials and they paid me to paint and they paid me for my time. And I got to create an art piece. And that cycle of doing a lot of free work and and kind of putting in my time, if you will, happened for a few years. And then people started seeing on social media and seeing my posts that I was creating these pieces of art and that I could do this. And so more and more people would start reaching out and asking me to do work for them. And it kind of just evolved from there. So it really kind of happened organically. And at the time when I started painting in my mind, wasn't, I wasn't thinking about making it into my career still, even when I started painting, I didn't see it as my pathway. I just loved doing it. And so I would do anything to paint a wall and that eventually paid off when people started reaching out to me and wanting to actually give me some cash money for this skill. And that just kept progressing. And 
years into it, I, I realized that I, I had a gift to do this and I had something I wanted to share with the world and, and it was valuable. And I had taken the time to hone in my skills and to practice and to create my own style that made other people happy and feel good. And so I should be able to make money and be able to sustain doing this. And so, you know, it took a long time to get to where I am. You know, like I said, it's been 10 years of, of doing this to now I have a process, you know, this mural process, if you will, or a creation process that I work with clients and, you know, I've kind of figured out what works and what doesn't work. And it's been a a crazy learning experience (laughs) entire time. I'm still totally learning. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think back and and see how far I've come and and it's exciting to know where I am now. And it's exciting to think about where I'm going to be in five years or 10 years and just keep moving forward and keep creating. Um, It's all awesome. I love it. I feel very fortunate. That's so awesome to hear that. And I love that you're reminding people that it was 10 years of consistent hard work and just really, I hate this word hustle. I feel like for me, it's just taken on such a like push, push, push kind of energy. But like, it sounds like you were really just doing it like day after day. You're like, okay, I want to paint what's the easiest path for me to get this done and who's going to let me do this? And you continue to do it. And it makes me think of what's that quote about, you know, anyone can be an overnight success if they have 10 years or whatever that is. I don't know who said it and I'm totally paraphrasing it, but I think you know what I mean. I got you. (laughs) You know, and it's interesting too, because I was first exposed to your work at South by Southwest and you were speaking on a panel there and I, I think the panel name was Creating Fearless Designs Through Street Art. Is that right? Yes. And basically it was hosted by, is it Shana Barry of Anheuser-Busch or, or Bud Light? Yes. And it was really interesting to hear how working with larger brands like that, it seems like you've gotten really comfortable with that and found a way to make it work. Is that a fair statement? Yes. So I, throughout the years and still today, I have worked and continue to work with smaller local businesses or even just individuals, you know, families who want their kids' rooms painted or a local business that wants a mural in their boutique all the way on the other end of the spectrum to working with Bud Light and working with Red Bull and Neiman Marcus and these really big brands. Um, I totally forgot your question as I was going into that. What was this question? What's your experience working with them been like? It sounds like it's been positive. And I guess maybe let's tack on what's been surprising. So my experience with working with the whole spectrum of different kinds of clients from mom and pop shops, local businesses, all the way to big brands is for me all really positive. You know, even my projects that didn't work out in the way that I had thought they were, or maybe in the way that I wanted them to be, I still had space to learn in that experience. And I still got to create artwork and share that with people. And and for me, that's one of the gifts that I feel like I've been given to share with people. And so no matter how awesome a client is or how picky or maybe not awesome some of them are in whatever way that may be. For me, I try to see the positive in in all of that. And I kind of just live my life that way, always trying to see the positive in everything because why not? 
Um, I don't want to get caught up in all the bullshit and negative things. It's not doing anything to help me or serve me, which is also kind of where yoga comes in. Kind of that mindfulness and philosophy of, of being positive and enjoying the moment and learning the lesson in every situation. And so every experience is different. And I approach every project in that way where, you know, there, it, you can't judge a book by its cover. And so no matter how big or small the client is or the project is, I try to approach it with an open mind and an open heart and find out how we can work together. Because for me, when I get to paint a mural, it's not just about me creating a piece of art or getting to paint. I really want to connect with the client and connect with the brand and make something that's valuable to them and makes their team or their employees or their followers or customers, whatever it is, feel good. And I get to provide that. That's amazing. And I know when you were speaking on that panel, I literally was like, I have to talk to Zuzu. I jotted down a couple of notes as I was listening. And one thing you had sort of mentioned that I think is important to talk about, especially for anyone creative listening, you mentioned that even though you were working with this giant brand like Bud Light, especially in conjunction with this other brand, South by Southwest, that's a pretty big brand in its own right, you were able to keep your feel. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah, totally. So that was by far, that was a learning point for me and by far the coolest part of that project. And to have a brand like Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch give an artist creative freedom, that alone was mind-blowing to me because I've worked with lots of brands that were pretty specific in what they were looking for and it's more fun as an artist to have creative control and to be able to work with people and still, like I said, provide something that's meaningful for them, but also stay true to my style and what makes me feel good and what I think would be a good fit as the professional artist. And so there's, there's a balance between client and artist in that way. And I think the world is changing a little bit to where clients see the value of letting artists have creative freedom. I find that more and more jobs that I line up with, even some of the biggest clients, Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light being one of them, you know, they brought me on for the project and they, they gave me a brief and they said, this is what we want. We want you to create something Austin and fun and you and my friend and I, Heath Speakman, who, who created that packaging design with me, sat down and I think we were a little nervous because of the how substantial the project was. You know, Bud Light and South by are massive clients, and and we were redesigning the bottle for Bud Light. It was crazy. We were we were like tripped out from the beginning, but we got a little nervous when we were creating, and we kind of were all over the place. And we finally had to sit down with ourselves. And he just looked at me and he said, "Hey, I think we're overcomplicating this. I think we just need to do what we what we do best and stick to our roots." And so we. We went back to the drawing boards and we pulled inspiration from where we both came from, which is from the street art and graffiti world. And so we just started sketching and creating really colorful, fun, kind of street art looking designs. And we pitched it. And when we pitched it, it was to show like a sketch of what we wanted to do. And then we were going to take it home and finalize it. And it ended up that they loved it. And so we sat in a boardroom with probably 12 people looking at this design and we, we pulled it up on a screen and everyone looked at it and they said, we love it. Let's do it. And that was really crazy for us because most clients have 
revisions and have edits and want to kind of tweak things or move things, it kind of shocked us a little bit to be working with such a big brand that really supported creative freedom. And so they let us just roll with it. And then after that, they, we met them again. We made a, a few minor, you know, tweaks that, that Heath and I wanted to do some color variations and stuff. And we showed it to them again and they sat down and they said, guys, they said, why don't you, why don't you change our logo? And we looked at each other and I was in my mind, I was like, <laughs> are, I was what? like well, are nuts. They're nuts. You know, you, nobody changes a logo design. That's the purpose of a logo. It's your branding. And so for Bud Light to say, hey, we want you to play with our logo. And then South by Southwest saying, hey, we want you to play with our logo too. It was this moment where I don't even know how to describe it. We were just totally dumbfounded that this was happening. We like geeked out afterwards and like giggled to ourselves because things like that don't normally happen. And so that was a really cool experience for both of us to not only have creative freedom in the design that we were pitching, but also to redesign the actual logos of these really big brands. And so it was this super custom, really cool packaging design that, that we got to have fun with. And and that's like also what it's about, you know, like I don't want to, to make art that feels like a job. Like artists live this awesome life of getting to create and hopefully sustain as being artists and making enough money to make it. But it's fun for us, and and it's more fun when we get to express ourselves fully. And so to find clients, whether they're big or small, that allow us that creative freedom is really special. And I also feel really fortunate that I've got to work with really incredible companies and brands that appreciate that. So I have a couple follow-up questions. One is when you and Heath got to your car after this meeting, were you just like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, and like laying on your horn and like blasting music? Because I know that's what I would be doing. Uh, Super similar to that, yes. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that the moment we walked out of that door, I was like trotting and like running in place. Like I, I think like I needed like to exert some energy. He couldn't believe it either. We were like jumping for joy and it was this really awesome moment that we got to share together of just like explosive energy and excitement. So this is going to sound like a goofy question and I want to give you some context from where it's coming from. Cause this is actually a personal question for me. I was a CPA by training for the last decade. I've been a health and lifestyle strategist. I'm a problem solver by nature. I create change. That's what I do. I bring order to chaos and chaotic situations. And a couple of years ago, I mean, I guess like really in earnest, probably last year working on it and devoting a little more time to it. I've been trying to collect 33,000 handwritten task lists from women around the world to one, eventually transform them into some art and have lots of ideas of what that's going to be. But I feel like the collection process is going to take me years. And I guess the question I have for you is, You're in this meeting, you're feeling like, I imagine like buffs nails on shirt thinking, wow, this is kind of a moment I feel like I've made it as an artist. I'm someone listening to that thinking, well, there's making art and there's actually feeling like an artist. And I think those are two different things. Was that a moment for you where you felt like I am an artist or have you always felt that way? I love that you asked this question. So 
I did not always feel that way. And I want to tell you a story about when I did feel that way or to respond to the other part of what you said when I was in that meeting and in that whole project, I had a few moments where I had to kind of like settle my excitement and sit with myself and remind myself that this was really happening because it was a really big project and a really big step forward for both Heath and I. I was so proud of us and so excited that I didn't have the moment in this example where I said, oh my God, I'm an artist. But I had a moment where I knew that I was leveling up and that was a really awesome feeling. To answer the second part, when I knew I was an artist, I love sharing this story because it kind of makes me laugh every time I think about it. I used to bartend. I bartended since I was, I think, from 19 to maybe 27, like all through college and after. I was sitting outside of a bar and I had my sketch pad and I was kind of just sketching, you know, a graffiti piece and, and just playing around waiting for my manager to come let me in. And a homeless guy walked by me and he walked by and he passed me and he kind of stopped and looked back and took a couple steps back and he looked at me and he was like, you're an artist, huh? And I was sitting there and I looked up at him and I was like, no, I was like, not really. And he was like, well, you look like you're drawing. And I said, yeah. I said, I do graffiti and I'm just, you know, sketching out a new piece. And he, and he said, well, it seems like you're an artist. And I was like, nah, you know, I just, I just do it for fun. No way. You know, like all, I was like all weird about it for some reason. <laughs> I know that weirdness. Yeah. I was like, no, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. And he looked at me with this kind of funky look like this girl is crazy. And he said, well, I think you're an artist. In that moment, something went off in my brain and I said to myself, I am an artist. And I thought, I was like, why have I not been owning that this whole time? And it was this really cool moment, total stranger that walked by that made me realize that I was an artist. And whether I was an amazing artist or I was still learning, whatever whatever it is, you know, I was an artist. I was creating. And that was a really cool moment in my path. And I think as the years have progressed and time has gone on, I don't become more of an artist. I think, you know, you're an artist. I also think that everybody is an artist, whether you're painting or you're cooking or you're styling hair or you're an accountant, like you're an artist in some way um, or creative in some way. And I think it just keeps progressing. Like you keep building on that and growing from that. But that feeling of owning being an artist is, is a really important part of the process, kind of like owning who you are and owning what you're doing and knowing in yourself that, I am this person. I am doing this. On a personal level, thank you. And I feel like I've had conversations with other women who I know are probably going to listen to our conversation that I think equally need to hear that conversation and hear hear your perspective on things. So truly, thank you. You're so welcome. I feel like an adjacent question is about success. So... How do you define success for yourself? I wish I had a really straightforward answer, but I really feel that everyone has their own definition of success. And I think oh, yes. is, <laughs> yeah, everyone's got this, to they're totally like their own vision for this. And mine, I think is probably a little untraditional, but nothing in my life is traditional. So this makes perfect sense. My definition of success is, it, it's not really concrete because I don't, have an end goal in my, in my life. Like I don't have this one 
thing or one position or one project that I'm trying to get to. And so for a lot of people, I think that defines success, you know, reaching, having this amount of money, being in this position at my job, whatever it is, um, buying a house. For me, there's, I don't have really like an end, a very clear destination. For me, it's really, it really is all about the journey and, and my path of getting there. And so for me, success is waking up in the morning and knowing that I'm doing something that I love and I'm going to do it well. And I know that it brings me joy and it brings other people joy and that I can be proud of myself and the people that I care about are proud of me as well. However, kind of like, you know, hoity toity that sounds or whatever. I mean, for me, that's really, that's really my definition of success. It's, it's doing what you love and doing it well and feeling good about it and feeling good about yourself when you do it and learning the lessons along the way and falling and picking yourself up and, and just that path of, of moving forward. It's not really about getting to one spot. It's that I'm constantly pushing forward and I'm constantly becoming a better artist, a better yogi, a better friend, a better partner, um, a better person. And that for me, I think is kind of like wraps it up. It's like just being a, a good person and, and always striving to be a little bit better. Oh, Zuzu, you don't have to apologize for that sounding hoity-toity or any which way. I really appreciate your honesty, and I think you're so right. I mean, there's so many ways to answer that question, and it's such a personal thing for people. I think I really resonate with what you're talking about, especially around having a lack of an end goal or not really having this like fixed point, because I know when I was younger again, recovering type A personality here. You know, I think from the time I was 16 years old, I was like, I'm going to be the first one in my family to go to college, like traditionally right after high school. I'm going to do something that, you know, I'm going to make money. I'm going to have a job that feels secure. You know, by the time I was like 16, I was working in an office and already kind of learning accounting, like on my school vacations and summer breaks and things like that. And then by the time I got to college, it was already almost like it was fully decided. It was like, okay, your parents have worked really hard to save for you to go to school. Don't blow it. Don't be a jerk with their money. Like, come out of this experience able to support yourself and have a job. And I was so focused. And I was like, well, what could be more secure than being an accountant, right? Like, good, bad, or ugly, you usually need an accountant. Mm -hmm. And I was full bore towards that. And I was checking all the boxes in high school to put on the college application and checking all the boxes in college to put on the, you know, application to sit for the CPA exam and work for a big firm and get the job and get the internship. And then by my mid 20s, I was, you know, kind of had this epiphany. It was like, holy shit. There are some aspects of this job that I love but there's a whole lot that are like rotting my guts. And so, you know, I think, I can't say it was like a nervous breakdown, but I felt like for a good part of my my mid to late 20s was sort of spent learning how to knit, like really living in New York and starting to take advantage of all the museums and the art and what's going on and learning French and 
pushing myself in all these different ways to really get to what you just really succinctly described of like, it's okay to be okay with the journey. I've kind of lived my whole life by that motto, if you will. My my dad, who was my biggest inspiration and, and one of my closest friends, always said that. And he said it, it was like one of those things that your dad says so many times. You're like, oh my God, dad, <laughs> you said that a million, like, I know, I know. But he would say it all the time that it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And as simple as that is, for me, it really rings true. And I found that to to be what allows me to feel so, so positive and so happy and to find, you know, happiness in every moment, whether it's awesome or like it's a shitty day or my painting didn't come out the way I wanted to, like just enjoy the process and enjoy moving forward. And I think for a lot of people, you know, just in general, there's, there's a lot going on right now in the world, um, in our country, in our lives. I mean, it's just, and and I I think it's part of growing up, but it seems to me like there's like less and less hours of the day and there's more and more going on and more things to do. And, you know, it gets a little bit more complicated as we get older. I'm not, you know, even from like young twenties through your twenties, there's just a lot of shit going on. And so I think that if people are on a path and they find themselves either being stagnant or questioning if what they're doing is right or c- kind of like you said like having these moments where you're like where you sit with yourself and you say hey I like what I'm doing but most of the time I, I really don't love this and whether you're 20 or 40 or 70 I feel like we have to be honest with ourselves and take the time to figure out what it is that we would be doing where we woke up every day and we were excited to do that because if that isn't the way we're living our lives, then I think we're wasting our own time. And so I think for so many people that I see or that I know or that I connect with, whether it's through any medium of of what I'm doing in life, that aren't really fulfilled in what they're doing and in their path, switch your path, like do something else, pick up a hobby, like go to a class, like whatever it is that needs to kind of shift, make some changes do some experimenting. And I promise that at some point you will find something and it may be something that you never saw coming. Maybe you take a cooking class and you realize that you love cooking. And a year later you find yourself buying a brick and mortar and opening a restaurant. Like who knows what it is. But I think that people get caught up in, in like the day to day and the grind and the expectations that we put on ourselves and other people put on us and society puts on us and we get lost from our path. And then we wake up one day and we realize that we've wasted a bunch of time because we aren't really fulfilled by what we're doing and we're not really passionate about what we're doing. And it's easy to get stuck in that. And I think that it's important for people to know that they have the power and the opportunity to step right out of that and to go do something that makes them feel awesome. I love how you're also talking about taking action. Like I'm a pretty kinetic learner and I guess that you probably are too, to some degree. Yeah. Like, so that notion of you don't have to know what your whole next phase in your career is. Just do something that feels interesting to eliminate the option right? Like to your point, like a cooking class, you're going to go to a cooking class and you're either going to be like, well, that was interesting, ho-hum, or I can't stand it, or holy shit, I love it and I have to do more of this. Exactly. And you'd never know that if you didn't try. And I think that that's how 
how people can kind of get moving in a new direction is you can't just say, example, like, you know, you are an accountant. You can't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a writer and then just be this amazing writer. Like maybe you try writing, maybe you try writing poetry, maybe you go take some classes, you figure out what you're into, what you're not into. And it's, I, I feel like the phase of experimenting is really important when we're talking about switching our path to something else. But Nothing is ever going to change unless we do it ourselves. I feel like, you know, some people wake up and they're not loving their life and they're not loving what they do and their job or their situation or whatever phase of life they're in. They don't wake up excited to do it. And then they choose to just keep going with it. And life isn't going to hand us a miracle when we're just going with the flow and, and doing things that don't fulfill us. Like we have to find that that outlet and we have to find those activities and people and passions that make us feel alive and follow those. And so whatever it is, however people need to figure it out, I am just a big supporter of doing things that make you feel awesome. There's life is just too short to be doing things that don't fulfill you. I feel like. Have you ever felt like you've resisted that urge? Like has there ever been something outside of like your normal day-to-day thing or art where you're like, I really wish I had time to take a class on this or go experience this thing or this place, but then found yourself procrastinating it. Well, yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What's helped you push past that then? I mean, that happens a lot to me. I, I actually am pretty bad at procrastination, which sometimes ends up working out. Sometimes I screw myself over, but it's one of the things I work on every day. But I think when, when I, when that situation comes up and maybe I want to do something or, or alter something in my life or make a big move, it's really easy to procrastinate. It's really easy to put it off. It's really easy to distract myself. And I think that, you know, we have to do things all in, in our own time. And, the truth is that we're going to do things the way we want to do them. And so I've learned that I deserve to give myself the time and space I need to get to that point where I say, I'm going to make this move. I'm going to do this. And sometimes it takes a long time because the path of least resistance is easier, you know, and more comfortable. But eventually I feel like that kind of builds up and I hit a point where and a lot of times I, I find and I kind of hit this point when I'm in yoga and I have worked through some physical stuff and I've shifted some energy and I'm laying on my mat and I like have a moment and I'm like, I can do that. I want to do that. What am I waiting for? It's like I have this self-talk with myself <laughs> and I get out of that class and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do it and I'm going to do it now. And that's one of the reasons I, I love yoga because it allows me that awareness and the time with myself, like I said earlier, to, to come to those conclusions and to remind myself that there's infinite possibilities and I can do anything I really want to do. And so if I'm not doing it, it's because I'm not ready to do it. And I need to keep working on getting ready to do it until I wake up one morning and I just do it. And I don't know if you have serendipitous moments that then follow because of taking that action. But what you were just talking about makes me think, I had a really funny moment this morning before our interview. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine in New York City was telling me about a volunteer mediation program that she's doing, where basically she gets trained how to be a mediator. 
and have difficult conversations and help two people peacefully come to some sort of resolution. And I thought that was like the coolest thing when she said it. And then sort of flash forward, moving from, I was in Western Mass at the time, moving from Western Mass to the Catskills, buying a house, that whole process, trying to figure out like how much time we needed to be in New York City, how much time we could be up here in the Catskills, what that all looked like. But I kept coming back to that. And so literally this morning I had some time and I was like, I just want to go into this interview with Zuzu Fresh. I'm just going to like noodle around a little bit this morning, which is totally not like me. And I Googled mediation, Ulster County, New York, and started looking into it. And it turns out not only is it available as an option, which I kind of knew from like a quick search way back when, but today they have like a whole new website from when I looked at it in the past really briefly and sort of filed it away under don't have time, stay in your lane kind of thing. And not only is it like a new web page, it's they're announcing training for fall of 2018. And I was like, hot shit, look at that. <laughs> I love that. And I'm not surprised by it at all either. I, I feel like the moment that people open themselves up to new possibilities and we get our mind and our energy flowing in that way that the universe provides. And I really do believe that. I, I believe in in the energy that we put out is what we get back. And I believe that if we really want to do something in life, it starts with telling ourselves that we can do it or that we want to do it and then starting to believe that, reminding ourselves until we really wholeheartedly believe that and then putting it out into the universe and watching the doors open for you. And I've had some experiences in my life where I had to make difficult decisions to get out of certain situations, relationships, um, jobs, certain things in my life that I it was hard to get out of. I, I was emotionally connected or, you know, I was comfortable with it. And it was kind of this leap of faith where I felt like I needed to do something. And I had that whole process of, of going back and forth. And finally, one day I woke up and I did it. And then it's almost, it's almost immediate. If you open your mind to it, the signs from the universe that you made the right decision, literally doors open, windows open, whatever the phrase is or the, you know, whatever it is. I think that when we put things out there that we want, you know, the universe shows us signs that it's the right thing to do if it's the right thing to do. And it, and it opens up new pathways and new opportunities. And we get to be like, wow, that was weird that I just stumbled upon that when I was just talking about it yesterday. Or, you know, like yes. you said, you were interested and then you went to the website and the training is in the perfect time. Like, I don't find that to be like weird. I think it's incredible. And it makes sense to me that that, that that happened. Like the universe wants us to move, to keep moving forward. Like it's that, that forward momentum. It wants us to, to feel good and be positive and, and spread those vibes on other people. And so when we allow that energy to flow out, I have learned that that energy flows back in and those things show back up in our lives for us. Yeah, it's like magic some days. And I've yeah. I've had moments like that happen all the time or even just recently I I dreamt about a friend that I hadn't talked to in probably a couple of months. And literally, it was like, you know, the dream right when your alarm goes off. And mm -hmm. in the dream, he was we were standing basically in one of the closed underground subway stops in Manhattan. And it was funny cuz in the dream he just said 
hey, I have a question for you. And then my alarm went off and I woke up and no joke, like two hours later, he texted me out of the blue and was like, are you around this weekend? (laughs) How interesting. It's wild some days. So I feel like we're so on the same page with life can be really magic and fun some days. I honestly, I feel like it always is. I feel like there is always magic happening and and life is always great. But the reality of the situation is, is that life also happens and it can't <laughs> always be magic and rainbows and, and butterflies and kittens because if that were the case, we'd be really bored and we would be complaining about how great things were. And so I think when life isn't amazing and, you know, everything in life goes in these phases and, and you may be in a phase, it might be like a meeting, it might be a day, a week, two months, it could be like two years. I don't know. There's like, I've learned as I've grown older, some phases last a really long time, but you know, you're in a phase of, of maybe not the most awesome part of life that you've ever been in. But it's, for me, it's like in those moments where all the practice of like the quality of my thoughts. And again, this goes back to my yoga practice and like the things that I, that I teach and the things that I've learned is enjoying the moment for what it is. And when life isn't awesome, that's when we have to remind ourselves that, that we're alive and we should be grateful and we're waking up and we're doing the things we want to do in life and we should find gratitude in that and keep pushing forward and know that there's, there's more good things to come. And then the moment we, we get out of our own way and we get out of our head and we remind ourselves that it's all good, like something happens and then we're, and something's dropped in our lap and it's really great. And we're like, oh yeah, life is awesome. I don't know why I got confused, but here we are. (laughs) I love that. And the confusion is very real some days. Totally. Totally. I mean, some, you know, I connect with and talk to a lot of people and I, I really try to be kind of like this beacon of light and really positive and, and like really spread those vibes. But, you know, like I said, life happens. And some days I wake up and I'm in a shitty mood or, you know, I, I mean, I'm PMSing or I didn't get a job I wanted or, or I had an argument with somebody, whatever it is, like that happens. And then we have to deal with it. Like life can't always be amazing. It has to kind of break us down sometimes and push us around for us to appreciate when it's awesome. And so I try my best to find the gratitude in those moments as much as when everything is going really wonderfully and I'm feeling great. It's it's like this, again, this balance of of one thing and the other and just appreciating everything in between. What does that look like for you? I know this is like, sounds like a really picky question, but I'm imagining some of the really stressed out, overwhelmed, overscheduled women listening who are like, well, that's okay for them because they seem like creative women who are just like sort of doing their own thing. But what advice would you have or or what things have helped you that might help some of the women listening that feel like there's somewhere between the darkness and being a beacon themselves? Well, I'll share from, and we haven't really touched on this quite yet, but my life as an artist and as a yogi is not, again, it's not all rainbows and sunshine. There is kind of this struggle um, in both of those avenues where it's not always the most lucrative decision I could have made. And 
yoga doesn't really pay the bills. Uh, most yoga instructors teach because we love it and it's a passion. And, and the majority of yoga instructors that I know also have another hustle or another job or another side. And, you know, for me, it's, it's the art side and then some other creative services along the way. But on the art side, it's really inconsistent. You know, there is benefits to being an artist and to working for myself and making my own schedule and being to being able to create for a living. But with that comes, you know, I don't have this, the same structure as somebody who works a nine to five. I don't have a reliable, consistent income. There's months where there's not any big jobs coming in. And it's, it's really a struggle to, to keep afloat when it's so inconsistent and I just have to continually be pushing forward. And so sometimes it feels like I'm like treading water. So I have definitely hit points in my, in my life and in my career where it feels dark and it feels like maybe I made the wrong decision or maybe I'm not doing the right thing or maybe I'm not good enough or whatever it is that I am telling myself because things aren't going the way that I had planned or the way that I wanted them to. And I think that happens for everybody. I think that we have to, again, just take some time for ourselves and sit down and quiet the mind and close the eyes and take a couple deep breaths and just remind yourself that it's going to be okay. It's not that bad. I promise it could always be worse. And just get your mind right and then hit the ground running and just don't give up on yourself. I feel like when people and, and women find ourselves in a place where we feel unfulfilled or we're stagnant or, you know, we can't quite get moving, you know, that's our time to dig a little deeper and to find the inner strength that is totally inside of us that we all possess and all the love and all the passion, all that stuff inside of us and start to tap into it. However, each person finds that on their own, you know, meditation, yoga, running, um, talking to a friend, um, finding a mentor and asking some questions, whatever that looks like, tapping into that and, and letting that energy flow more freely and just kind of trusting that we got it. Like, I think a lot of things come down to just knowing your worth and knowing your place on this planet, which can be really challenging. I think it, it's not easy to wake up and say, I'm fucking awesome today, you know, but like, <laughs> Like, but like, we have to say that we have to tell ourselves that we have to know that we are fucking awesome. And if we don't feel awesome, fake it till you make it, dude, fake it until you make it. And you'll wake up in three days and you'll be like, you know what? I am fucking awesome. And then we start to live that path and we like affirm to ourselves our own amazingness and keep pushing through. And eventually you'll see the light at the end of the tunnel and Eventually, you'll be that light at the end of the tunnel, and eventually, you'll shine that light onto other people, and in a magical world, we would all be those kinds of women that were so happy and, and positive in our lives and in ourselves that we spread that onto other women, and then together, we all lift each other up. Yes! <laughs> Thank you for keeping it so real. Yeah. And... I just have this urge. I wish both of us could reach through Skype and microphones and headsets and all of this stuff and literally grab each woman listening and like grab her by the arms and go, you're fucking awesome today. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, 
I mean, everyone, I, and I, and I feel like it's, like I said, I know for a lot of women and, and even for myself, sometimes it's not easy to say that to myself as many times as I need to say it to make myself believe that because the, the truth is, is that we are fucking awesome. Everyone is awesome in their own way. Um, but I think it's really important for women to remind other women that they're fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we're not even that in tune with ourselves to even be aware that we need to be reminded of things like that. But I think it's important for women to have their, their families and their friends and people in the community and, you know, whatever organizations or whatever hobbies we have to be, to be surrounding ourselves with the type of people who remind us of that, because everybody needs to be reminded that they're fucking awesome way more often than we are. And so as, as like funny as it is, like going up to and telling somebody that we care about, I I think that everyone should share that information with other people. We should like lift other people up and remind them how special they are and how much we love them and care about them because that's going to make them feel good and they're going to then feel better and they're going to help other people feel better. And it's like this reactional, I I don't know, like this chain of... It's contagious. Exactly. It's totally contagious in all the most wonderful ways. Totally. And I feel like that's what we need more of right now. It's really shitty, turbulent, divisive times, devoid of empathy, which I feel like we could talk about for days, probably how to tackle that. But I won't go there. We don't need to go there. I think I think everyone understands what a shit show it is, regardless of where anyone is on the spectrum. Right. I feel like you're right. And I mean, I was like nodding like crazy as you were saying that because there were a lot of reasons I started the podcast and I've talked about different ones. But one nerve that you hit on when you were talking about that was, and I think you'll get this as a yoga teacher. So when I was teaching Pilates, I had this really funny moment where I had this dude whose fiance made him come do a Pilates duet on the reformers. And she had been like doing Pilates and like knew the knew the apparatus and ain't no big thing to her. This poor dude comes and he has no idea where his limbs are in space. He's on this like moving contraption that looks like a torture device and has no idea what ends up. And the session was hilarious and really powerful for me as an apprentice because I remember going, Michael, bend your knees. And he literally bent his elbows. <laughs> and then I like said it again. I was like, hey, Michael, want to bend your knees? And again, he just like looked bewildered and like bent his elbows. And the, you know, this went on for a couple of minutes. And as an apprentice, I was like, holy shit, does he not know where his knees and his elbows are or the difference between the two? What do I do? And literally the teacher next to me just was like, yo, Mike, bend your knees. And because it was in a different voice, he immediately like bent his knees and started like doing the exercise. And that was a real like sea change moment for me. And so one of the reasons I started the podcast was I felt like people around me, the people I could touch and have a conversation with and connect with in some way that I was celebrating them. And I felt like sometimes those folks weren't hearing me anymore, 
right? Like I was like chirping, you're awesome. You're awesome. Change is possible. Anything's possible. You could do this. And I felt like they couldn't hear me anymore. And so I think one of the dreams when I started this podcast back in 2016 was what if I could talk to other women and they could hear things that they've tuned out in my voice. And I feel like you just really helped me check that box and capture that in a really powerful way. So I am so grateful for this conversation and so grateful for you throwing your energy into it. And especially sharing something that's, I mean, talking about finances and talking about fear and what's scary to us and feels unstable some days is something that's really hard to do. So I applaud your courage and I'm in awe. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like it is hard to talk about. You know, it, it's hard. And for me especially, it's always hard to talk about money. Even when I'm working with a client and, and we're going through that whole process that I shared with you earlier about start to finish of, of painting a wall or painting a mural or creating artwork, when we get to the money part, it just makes me uncomfortable. I don't like talking about money. Um, it's not why I do what I do. It is important. Um, I need money to survive, but it, it's not the fuel that keeps me pushing forward. And so for some reason, I find it to be a little uncomfortable to talk about money. And it's something that I'm working on in kind of my circle and, and with other local artists in Austin that are, you know, in a similar place that I am where we're growing as artists, we're growing as people, we're getting older, we have chosen this as our career, and we're kind of binding together and opening up and allowing ourselves to talk about the things that make us a little uncomfortable. And for me, one of those things is sharing, you know, my pricing structures and, and how I do things in my and my process. And I found very recently that I can open myself up and kind of put that out there and talk about the things that make me a little nervous or make me a little uncomfortable and allow that those feelings of uncomfortableness to arise and just know that it is what it is and it's fine and this moment shall pass and then watch other people and other artists open up to me about the same things and things that make them uncomfortable and we end up having these amazing conversations and finding a deeper connection in our friendship and in our relationship because I put myself out there and then they put themselves out there and then we learned from each other and I realized that my weirdness, if you will, with talking about money could be changed by doing this or, you know, maybe I should switch this in my process and it's just been this really sweet learning experience of allowing myself to talk about the things that make me uncomfortable and just kind of owning it and I think that that's the same with fear. I think it goes hand in hand. I think that fear is this really it's seen as this really kind of like ugly force and everybody deals with it everybody is fearful of something and you know similar to to wanting to be this kind of powerful lighthouse and and really positive and, and inspiring you know fear is is also real but I try to remind myself that things that make us scared and things that we feel fearful of are things that also make us feel alive and also get us out of our comfort zone and out, out of our norms. And we should, we should move directly towards those things. And I, I think that's a lot easier said than done, but fear can be really controlling and it can be really debilitating. And I think it's important 
for all women and all humans to face those fears, however big or small they are, one at a time. It might happen quickly. It might take a really long time. But having the courage to step up to those things and know that it's okay to not be this amazing, fearless being, <laughs> we can strive for that. But the reality is there are things in life that, that scare the shit out of us a little bit. Um, but having the courage to to face those things again, with an open heart and an open mind and say, I'm going to get over that. I'm going to move through that. Um, and then doing that, I think is, is really important. And yeah, I just encourage people to, again, I I keep going back to the yoga, everything. This conversation has been enlightening and how much really does go back to my yoga practice, but yeah, it's so embedded. Like, so I have a daily meditation practice and I've been doing it, man, it feels like a couple of years now. You know, I think it's funny when people are like, so you meditate every morning for 20 minutes, like what does that do for you? And I find it really hard to quantify that, like in those moments when I'm kind of on the spot, yet similar to how you come back to yoga, I feel that same energy, that same like, oh yeah, there's where it shows up again. Oh look, it shows up over there and over here too. Like it starts to to unravel, but it's often only through conversations like this. Absolutely. And I, and I think when I when I kind of keep touching back into yoga, a lot of what I'm referring to is the meditative piece of my practice. And I think that meditation is really hard. I think that yoga is really hard. I think all of these things take a lot of patience and a lot of time and, and it's it's hard work to be consistent and to keep showing up. But the power of sitting with ourselves and closing our eyes or, you know, whatever. Everyone has their own meditation. Open your eyes. Dance around the room. I don't care what it looks like. But taking time for yourself to clear out your head and just exist in your body and take some deep breaths is so healing and so powerful that I wish that everybody would do it. I mean, there's there's studies about meditation, the, the effects of meditation. Yeah. on There's facts. There's There's science behind this. You know, like I feel like I've got friends who – you know, they're not really into meditation and into yoga and, and kind of into that world of spirituality or wellness or whatever you want to call it. And when I when I explain it, sometimes I feel really at home with people when we talk about it, like this conversation between you and I, I know that you can relate to these things and, and it makes sense to you. And, and I'm sure it will to some of your listeners as well. And for other people, I think it sounds kind of hippy dippy and like, you know, like we're living with our heads in the clouds and, you know, praying to a crystal or like my friends jokingly make fun of me sometimes um, because I'm also into, you know, like crystals and, and plants and like all this stuff. And I just think it's really important for people to have the dedication to themselves to quiet the mind and be with themselves, even if it's for five minutes, for 10 minutes, for yes. 20 minutes a day. If it's, if it's during your lunch break and you just close your eyes at your desk and you sit there for three minutes and just breathe and notice what it's like to be in your body, I think that everybody would find a deeper connection to themselves and ultimately be a better version of themselves because it's life is just so distracting. You know, there's like, I've said it before, but there's all this stuff happening and we're constantly moving and changing and doing and thinking. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting to just live a normal life, to have a job or to have a family and to have a social life and to have hobbies. Like all of that combined creates this really busy lifestyle. And if we don't stop and appreciate a few minutes of every day, I think we kind of get lost in that whirlwind of, of stuff going on. 
Oh my God, there's so much there to unpack. I think one of the things that you mentioned, people having their own unique way in. I know it's come up for regular listeners, like they've probably heard me talk about this a little, but I think, you know, meditation, journaling, whatever the form, like one, you have to kind of match the form to who you are, right? Like there's so many ways to sit with yourself, quote unquote, sit with yourself. And you have to figure out like, which is the right way for you? Is it walk-in meditation? Is it sitting? Is it yoga? Is it journaling? Is it drawing? You know, is it collaging? Is it some other, is it painting? Is it some other art form? There are so many ways to just be with yourself and like picking that and also kind of having fun with it. And I I feel like I delight in seeing the science community really looking to understand like, hey, what is it about Buddhist monks that's their physiology is different and science is starting to dig into this space. I love when I read something like Forbes or Harvard Business Review and I see not like maybe outright verbiage speaking directly towards meditation, but talking about like being more centered and being more present and being more mindful. Like I still, to your point, like they have to to bend and shift it to fit the audience in a certain way. And I think there's a place on that spectrum, like when you're talking about crystals and plants and I'm probably going to shock some of my longtime listeners by talking about this, but last month, and it's something I was thinking about for a long time, just playing around with, last month I bought my first set of tarot cards. And I think it's been really fun over the last month or so to play with that. And, you know, for me, it's like journaling is a way to unpack things as much as meditation is. So like when I have a question, sometimes I just jot the question down in a notebook. And when I have a little bit more clear space or I'm not in the middle of a couple things, I always leave myself in like the last page of my journal, like some questions. So I have a way in to something. Like I'm not just looking at a blank page with like no way in. And the tarot cards have been really fun to play with. Like even just picking one a day or when I have a question with something and using that as like a journal prompt. Like, oh, what does this make me reflect today? What do I need to know about this situation? Is this card meaningful? Is it not? It just, I find it gives me something to push back against that's different. So I love that you're sharing options and that it can look different, but also how important it is. So that reminded me of a story. And and I love that you that you shared that you got a tarot deck. I am also really into that. Not so much in the traditional tarot card sense, but yeah, I have got, no idea what I'm doing. I've got, <laughs> it's okay. Nobody knows what they're doing. If we want to be real, nobody knows what we're doing here, but I have a, a deck. It's an animal spirit card deck that I, I really resonate with and I love, and I love sharing with people. And it, I have a, a similar experience where Maybe I, I come home and I, you know, I light my candles and I hang out and I'm like looking at all my plants and I don't really know what exactly to do with myself, but I don't want to like turn on the TV and I don't want to get on social media and I don't feel like reading. And so I'll get out my tarot cards and I'll, I'll just pull some cards and kind of have some fun with myself and, and read someone else's words and, and, and be inspired or, or not by it. And I find that to be also kind of an entryway into 
to being with myself a little bit more. Cause after I, I read those or, or, and a lot of times for me, it's also journaling after I like, you know, write about my day or write about how I'm feeling. I then have space to sit there and just kind of reflect and, and notice what that feels like. So I really dig that. I'm really happy for you that you got into that. And the story that that reminded me of in this conversation is last summer I, I, I painted murals for a festival called Wanderlust, which is a yoga and music festival. And they have a lot of really great classes and workshops and also speakers. It's kind of like a TED talk. They call them speakeasy talks. And there was a, there was a guy that, that was talking about meditation, different kinds of meditation. And so I went to his discussion. I don't know how it took me this long to hear these words out of somebody or to not have read this already. And, and I think that I had, but it was like one of those moments where I just had my aha moment and it, and the way he said it, it resonated with me and it, and it opened my mind and it kind of changed my perception on meditation. And what he shared was that when he first got into yoga and meditation, he was taught that we were supposed to sit cross-legged and sit up tall and close our eyes and put our hands on our lap and clear the mind. And he looked at us and he just said, that didn't work for me. I, I didn't get it. It didn't do anything. My mind was all over the place. And, but he wanted to keep exploring it. And so he found that in, in his life, his best time for meditation is right after he wakes up in the morning, which I feel like for a lot of people, beginning of the day and end of the day makes the most sense. And so he would get up and for him, he was also a musician. And so he loved dancing. He loved singing. And so for him, he would get up in the morning and he'd take a few moments, sit up in bed, say what he was grateful for, take a moment to take a couple breaths. And then he would turn on music and he would dance around his house. And for him, that was his meditation. And that is how he cleared his mind and how he found his center. And I found that to be fascinating because there's all different forms of meditation, um, in the yogic tradition, there's all kinds of things that we can do. But for a lot of people sitting in, in quiet and stillness is not necessarily the best way to find a meditation practice. And I already knew that because I, I, it's really challenging for me to sit still and quiet the mind, which is why I like going to yoga where there's that meditative component with some physical movement and breath work and all the other good stuff. But when I paint, when I allow myself to spend more than like, I'm talking like more than two hours on a painting, I find myself in that same meditative state where I kind of just let my thoughts flow freely. I'm not really paying attention to what's happening in the mind and I'm fully in the moment and I'm immersed by my experience painting and I'm just, I, it's hard to explain, but I'm just existing in my body. Like I'm just here doing something without really overanalyzing, without really thinking too much about it. And so I, I think it's really important that everybody explores again and experiments with what works for them because it's different than, than you and me and, and the next person. Everybody's got, everyone is so unique to themselves or, or unique to others that we have to figure out what works for us. And if sitting and being quiet and closing our eyes or staring at a candle isn't working, then we need to commit ourselves to finding what it is that works to have that quiet time. And so I just found that, that conversation, that talk, super inspiring because I had a moment where I was like, oh, I was like, I don't have to have a meditation practice where I make myself sit and set an alarm for 10 minutes because it's really not that fun for me. And 
everything in life should be fun. And if it's not fun, make it fun. And so if meditation is not fun, let's find another way to do it and like make it a little bit more fun and make it a little bit more pleasant and then do that every day. Yes. You're mentioning that sitting still is not your jam typically. Oh yeah. And I know one thing I heard you talk about when you were on the panel at South by was you like to be busy. And in the past, you've had troubles where you've said yes to too many things and had to learn how to say no more. And I know this is a pervasive challenge for my clients. This is a pervasive challenge for a lot of my friends at points in my life. This has been a challenge for me. How did you learn the lesson and make saying no easier? So this lesson, like all my lessons, I feel like I learned the hard way. And and to be totally honest, I'm still I'm still learning this lesson. I'm continually trying to find opportunities in my life that make sense that I want to say yes to and then know that there's also some that I should say no to or in this in this phase or whatever I have on my plate, I should say no to that for whatever reason. And it's really challenging for me because I'm, I'm a yes person. I want to say yes. I want to help people. I want to do things. And I do like being busy. It, it feels fulfilling to me to be busy and to have a lot of things to do almost to the point where if I wake up and I don't have anywhere I need to be, I have a moment of almost insecurity where I don't know what to do with myself. And that's when journaling, reading my tarot cards, watering my plants, meditating, something that kind of gets me moving has been really helpful for me or just being uncomfortable with having nothing to do for a moment and knowing that that's okay too and then getting up and going to do something. What this has led me to is having too much on my plate sometimes. You know, when I say yes to too many things, I end up finding myself getting overwhelmed and overbooking and overcommitting myself. It's like this continuous appearance in my life of, of saying yes to too many things and then I can't I can't give as much energy and love to each project as I want because I have too much going on. I've learned that that's just kind of who I am as a person, but we can always make changes and like I said become better versions of ourselves. And so what I have found to be helpful is knowing my self-worth, which has also taken a long time and I'm still still moving into that space of understanding what I should charge for projects, how much time I should devote, you know, how much energy I should put into each piece of my life. And I think that that is also kind of trial and error and figuring out the balance in that. But as far as practicing and and learning how to say no to things, I think that the my lesson came from not like a total burnout. I don't, I don't think I've had like a like an epic burnout, but I feel like I have kind of like mini burnouts along the way where I, I'm just so overwhelmed that I like don't even know what to do and I can't get anything done and I, and I become kind of stagnant. And when you have a lot to do, it's not ideal to be stagnant. It's not the time to slow my roll. And then I kind of get destructive about it and, and that sucks. And so I try not to get myself in those positions. And so I force myself to say no to things. I have to choose wisely of what I say yes to and what I say no to, which is, which is also really challenging. But I think when it comes down to it in, in regards to yoga and, and to art and to whatever 
women are doing out there. You know, there's things that make sense and there's things that don't. And we have to like weigh out all the options in our mind. And sometimes I have to say no to things that I really want to do or I'm really passionate about, or maybe even it's a really good opportunity, but I have to prioritize and see everything I have going on and have the strength to say, you know what, I can't do that. Let me put you in contact with somebody who I think would would crush this for you and let them do it so I can focus on this other stuff. And I'm not sure if, if I don't feel like that's a really concrete answer, but I, like I said, I'm still, I'm really still learning this. Um, about myself and about my my career and my path of, of of what to say yes and no to, but I I've learned in the past few years that there's just too much flooding into my life for me to say yes to everything. It's impossible for me to do everything that's coming in my direction, and so I have to kind of tone it down and slow it down and know that it's okay to not say yes to everything and and like I said to also know my worth because. As an artist, I have a lot of people reach out to me and want projects done without everything that I would need for my portion. And, and you know, maybe they work for a nonprofit. Maybe they just had a baby or they just started a company. Or there, there's reasons that I would want to help and, like, lower my cost and lower my value to do a project. I have to take a moment and say, you know what, I know my value, and this is it, and sometimes I will take that opportunity, but sometimes I need to respectfully decline that, and say, I need this energy and this time for this other project, or for myself, or for whatever that is. Got it. I think there's some more concrete stuff in there than you might think as you were in the flow of of conversation. What I'm hearing is like, there's an element of sitting with yourself and making the decision. Like, is this the right next move for me? Yes, the yes or no question. Do I take this on or do I not take this on? It sounds like to me from the outside listening in, in conjunction with the rest of the conversation we've had, you're going inward first, making that, making that call. Like, I always like Derek Sivers had written a blog post and then later in his book, Anything You Want, I think that's the name of it. You know, it's either a hell yes or a no. And if it's like, or if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. So you're making that decision. But it sounds like even the act of like telling the other person no, but let me get you to someone who can do it. Like you're still giving them the support. It just doesn't have to come from you all the time. Right. And that seems like a really empowered, confident thing to me. I've never really thought about it like that, but I but I like that and thank you. You're welcome. I, I think for me it's, you know, at least in my profession, um, in yoga and in art, if somebody comes to me, they're wanting a service that I that I can provide. And if I can't do it, instead of saying, I can't do that, good luck. I've lived in Austin for almost 20 years. So I got tons of connections and friends who, who do the same things that I do. And so why would I not want to support them and help this other person out by, by helping them get what they want, even though I can't do it? You know, there's, to me, there's almost, it's almost purposeless for me not to suggest other people or to, to link other people up. And I think that that comes from me just being a natural connector there's almost nothing I love more than connecting with people in general and also connecting other people. There's something very fulfilling to me about introducing uh, two people or a group of people 
to like-minded individuals that I think would benefit the other's lives. And I, and I don't even know why that is. I've never really asked myself too many questions about it, but I, I see myself doing it constantly. <laughs> I, I see myself linking people and connecting people all the time. And it really does bring me joy. It makes me happy to see those connections. And then to know that, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I introduced, you know, this person with this person, and now they have a business together, or they're married, or they have their friends, or they work together on some capacity. And, and that makes me feel good. And so, you know, for me, if, if we can't fulfill an ask from someone else, then we should help them find somebody to fulfill that because why not? Amen, sister. Amen. And I I feel like it has been so good for my soul and I think it'll be good for the soul of everyone listening to have this time and be able to connect with you today like we have and have this conversation But I also know you have a bunch of other things going on in your life. And so I want to ask you one final question. Our conversation has taken us all over the cosmos, I feel like, (laughs) today. But what do you most want La Vital Corsalon listeners to know or to take away from our conversation? Well, other than all the things we talked about, (laughs) um, (laughs) I, I think that my... You know, and and I'll take this even to to a broader a broader audience. I think if I could tell the world, like if I could tell everybody one thing, I would want to share the message that in my experience in life, it truly is all about the journey, not the destination. And as we're on that journey, the highest vibration in the universe is love. And so if we move through life with love and doing things that we love, doing things with love and sharing that love and connecting with people. And then we all lift one another up through that love and support on that journey. I think that that is going to be the real change in the world. And I think that fundamentally, I think most people know that. I think that everybody knows deep down that the most valuable piece of life is the loving connections that we have with others and with ourselves. And so I guess I would just like to remind everybody that we are literally, we are beings of love and it's our job as humans to share that with other people and to, to spread that light and, and to kind of bind together through that connection and, and just keep spreading positivity and keep doing what you love and, and do it well and wake up happy and just love your life. Yes. There's really nothing I can add to that. So with so much gratitude and reflecting so much love back at you. Thank you so much for giving up a couple hours of your time to talk to me and hopefully inspire the tribe of women listening. You are amazing. Actually, you're fucking amazing, Zuzu. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. This has been really, really fun. I loved every minute of this. And I thank you for for taking your time to do this. And I know that that this is part of of your life path and you take this time with lots of women and then you share these conversations and these messages with a lot of women. And I think that that's incredibly inspiring. And I I think you're doing an amazing thing. And I think you're fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, have a kick-ass day. 
Thank you. You too. Hey, everyone. This is Kara again. Thank you for sticking around. Thank you for helping me get to 50 episodes. Thank you for all of the things that you do to help this show grow. If you're new to the show, you can find all of the links and resources mentioned in this episode over at levitalcoresalon.com. Or if you want them sent to you going forward once a month, you can text SALON, S-A-L-O-N, to 444-999. Again, text SALON to 444-999. Last but definitely not least, I want to thank the whole podcast team because it takes a team to produce this show. Huge and hearty thanks to Craig Snyder, who produces the episodes, Darlene Victoria, who helps make sure links are working and things are getting where they need to online. Rishi Deer for writing the awesome theme song that inspires me every time I hear it. And High Dials for performing it. And don't forget, you deserve a life spiked with passion and slathered with joy. Don't let bullshit or burnout stop you.